Hey, Peter. Hey. What is the most revolutionary trio of, say, the last 25 years? Mm. Jazz piano trio. Jazz piano trio. Very specific. Well, I, to me, sue me, but I love the Thelonious Monk trio. I thought it was a great trio. I, my math is a little off. Yeah, maybe, did you but. fail out of math or something? <laughs> well, don't no, pin me down to it. It's more recent than that. And it's but be, revolutionary? It's probably a little controversial. This, controversial. Uh, rev- so the Paul Revere trio, I heard. I never heard them live, right. well, that's, but they were very involved with the Revolutionary War. An interesting answer. Try again, bud. Um, revolution. Re- revolution. Prince. Played in a trio format. Say what you Prince see. Prince and the Revolution. Yep. yep. Prince and the Revolution. <laughs> Great band. Part, 1999. Is that? Yeah, that's within 25 years. Not what we're talking about uh, okay. here. That's not how that works either. <laughs> Brad Mellow trio. What about them? I just heard them. Great trio, but yep. we're thinking of something a little bit more out of nowhere. Mm. What? Huh. I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear Podcast. Music advice coming at you. Coming at you today, sponsored by Open Studio. Go to openstudiojazz.com for all your jazz lesson needs. That's weird. That is a little weird. <laughs> oh, Peter. Uh, so for those of you out there just listening or just watching, you might be like, wow, that's weird. I can only tell you that in the studio here, it's even weirder. You know what? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta warm up the old pipes. That's right. You know what I mean? We're about to podcast here all day long, so I need to get, I need to get my my uh, sibilance going. I need to get my resonance happening. I'm gonna, in, and um, and in between we take a break. My core. Can you help me with my tax return, sir? Do I look? <laughs> yeah, I do you look, look like, like your accountant today. a little bit, a little bit. It's the I look like your shady uh, client. <laughs> it's true. It's like we met in the pod suite just to do your taxes. I would yeah. be so terrible at doing your taxes, by the way. <laughs> you I you am, have the look, but not the skills. I, I do not have the skills. Yeah. But it's you good know, to be back here, man. This is fun. We got some cool stuff that we're slap listening to. Slap at a to. table. <laughs> I'm excited. We both heard some good. So we do a quick recap of the music, or are we doing that on another episode that we, we heard? Absolutely. Last week. Yeah, we heard because some good music. Because speaking of trios, yeah. well, this might be a little bit topical to what we're actually covering today, I believe. Yeah, sure. First of all, there's something different. We're not even going to talk about it. I want to see some OG viewers on. If you're not on YouTube, this would oh, be a yeah. good time to jump spot over the there. difference. Spot Can you the spot difference. the difference of things that have been happening that are different from our set? In the main picture. Not in the main picture. Well, maybe in that shot picture. here, Caleb. Like the, yeah. Yes. But don't a, give them too much. Don't give them no, too much. No, there's something different. Can you see what it is? <laughs> don't confuse them, though. Anyway, leave in the comments if you see something different. Um, so we both got a chance to hear separately some very high-level piano trios was it last week right yeah. live and in person that's right so i'll start it out by saying i heard the brad meldow trio that's ever heard trio. of him yeah yeah jeff ballard on drums um larry grenadier or as he sometimes is referred larry grenadier friend of the show brad meldow brad meldow friend of the, friend of the show's known for leaving the longest comment in word count ever on the you'll I hear it so much YouTube. man it's yeah. like 16 year old adam <laughs> Do you read it every His morning? His fantasy came true. <laughs> Brad Melda posted a comment, a long comment. It was great. And I was able to confirm with him after the show when we had a brief chat and hang, which yeah. was delightful, um, that that was, in fact, his comment. Because I was like, yo, Brad, are you, we were a little... Was it like Brad Melda, 1537 <laughs> Yeah, I was like, you know, your username is, is super sketchy looking. And he was like looking at me funny, like, what do you mean? It said Brad Melda. I was like, yeah. And then like seven numbers after it. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, he said he, in fact, did. He said he enjoyed the... He sent his regards. And uh, he, to you and to all the listeners and said he's a fan of the pod, enjoyed the episode. It's all, that's always like my worst fear is when we're talking about 
uh, an artist that's that's obviously alive and might be. I'm almost wish they wouldn't be listening or watching because I want to be free with what I'm saying. Not that I'm going to be you got complimentary of, or derogatory or whatever. It's yeah. just I'm, I know I'm going to screw something up. If you know Brad's watching, you're not going to like either <laughs> either go in too hard or right. go in too light. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, mean, we I think we're pretty free and off the cuff, but we're not always 100 percent accurate. This is not the New York Times reporting on current events. You know, this is a couple guys talking, just like our our name used just to say. Just a couple of guys, <laughs> just a couple of dudes talking sort music. Of hanging out, talking music. But anyway, no, it was cool. But anyway, hearing them live. Uh, at the beautiful Sheldon Concert Hall. At the Sheldon Concert Hall, beautiful Steinway, the trio, they were just firing on our, all cylinders. It was a really fun, intimate, swinging, pensive, big, like dynamic range. Yeah. Um. Uh. Emotional range, musical range, really was a fun evening. Was was a super I'm uplifting. So bummed I couldn't. And he go, played man. for like 75, 80 minutes straight, no intermission. Uh, I love that. It's just great trajectory, great set list. You yeah, know, yeah. Beautiful intros, just really clean endings, some great standards, and yeah, it was fun. That's Larry great. Grenadier. I mean, everybody sounded great. Larry played some fantastic solos, and um, Jorge. I'm not Jorge. Jorge was good too, though. But this was Jeff Ballard. Yeah. Um, well, at the same time that that concert was happening, just across the street, actually, at yeah. Jazz St. Louis, another great jazz piano trio, the Bill Charlotte trio, was playing at Jazz St. Louis all week, Wednesday through Sunday. Yes. And uh, from what I could see from photos, it looked like it was pretty packed in there every single set folks, that they were folks playing. Folks like him here in St. Louis and it was very well attended, I can attest to that. Well, and I got to see him on Thursday night, that Thursday evening, and I can say that, first of all, there were more, I've never seen that many pianists in one room of course in a while there all the piano nerds were out to see bill charlotte and a lot of drum nerds by the way uh to right. see uh hey, wash Kenny washington um and man i gotta say it, it's the impetus for this episode today and this is this might be controversial but listening to bill charlotte and seeing him live and hearing that trio you know i i realize that the older i get and the more experienced i get with listening the more i appreciate players like Bill Charlotte and what he's able to do within the framework that he and this trio have set up. It really is something very, very special. And he's a very special player. Oh. And um, I mean, I was blown away by the entire approach. His touch is world-class, like a number one world-class touch on the piano. Yeah, His language is amazing. He's like an encyclopedia for these tunes, for the stories behind them, for the composers. And then there's the rhythm section of Peter Washington on bass and Kenny Washington on drums. They are doing things that I think to maybe your average listener are like, oh, that sounds nice. And that looks like very yeah. simple things to do. And they are, as we know, very much not like if you watch Kenny Washington play drums and play brushes. Right. It looks so effortless and easy. Yeah. And sounds so simple. Um, but we all know that to sound simple and good is a monumental feat. Yeah. It's actually one of the hardest things to do. And, you know, I know we've had Gregory Hutchinson on the show before, and he talks about Kenny Washington all the time. Yeah. And it was a huge influence on Hutch and several other drummers. Well, let me just add in. I remember, you know, Hutch has a thing where, like, he almost, I mean, Hutch is a master of the brushes. Everybody sure. knows that. For and sure. beyond. But especially with brushes, I've noticed whenever he teaches something or explains something in his courses, he always <laughs> um, mentions Kenny Washington. Like, to the point, I'm like, dude, you don't have to. And he's just like, no, I got this from him. We yeah. all got this. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but Kenny got it from. He's like, yeah, but he was the connector. He was the one. And I mean, of course, Greg studied with him, and you know, was was very close with him and coming up in New York and stuff. But yeah, it's 
he's a master of it. What I realized seeing them live, and I've seen them live several times over the years, but I was just reminded that this framework that they've built with these, you know, jazz standards, they played some Duke Ellington and Billy Strayhorn, and they played some other jazz standards, and they played some great American songbook standards. Yeah. And the framework that they've they've built their career, 20, 26 years together now as a trio since mm. their first recording, 12 trio records that I could count, at least 12. Yeah. And they're doing it all in this framework. It's all very swinging. And seemingly, at first glance or first listen, it's all very straight down the middle, mm -hmm. you know, and you think, oh, okay, this is just like straight ahead. And then I was, I was, I was listening last week. I was realizing that it's not so straightforward as it, as you might think, like they are creating some very, I think very fresh sounds within this framework. And I was lit up after this concert because it's, I think it's easy to, feel like there's something is revolutionary or new. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. No, to feel like when, when something is the aesthetic is completely, um, uh, you know, trying for something weird or outside of the norm, mm -hmm. it's easy to be like, Oh, well that's new and different. But when something is using the framework of, of a, of a structure that is known, yeah, it's easier to overlook it as fresh and new. And this felt like, fresh and new music from this uh, incredible trio of yeah. masters. Well, it's kind of like, are they able, is the framework really about them being non-controversial in terms of their approach as a trio? That be, When you are able to do that at such a high level, that becomes its own revolution. Yeah. Right. The devotion to the frame to the framework that they've set up. Is, right. When you say we're going to do this and we're not going to we're seemingly not going to be doing anything. There's no that Anybody else hasn't thought of. Yeah. You know, we're not going to be putting everything into seven or eleven or playing it backwards or. or but at doing, this point, is that so revolutionary? <laughs> exactly. You know? That's what I'm saying. Like they've been around and they are the ones who haven't changed. So all the other stuff has maybe changed. Obviously, they you, one could say they've gotten better over those 26 years. They weren't bad at the beginning. <laughs> but this is also just not your average piano trio just playing standards either. This is, this is, these are artists playing simple things that are not even that simple all the time. Yeah. But very foundational. Making things. really hard things that are, sound simple. It reminds me of, of watching Chick Corea play, right? Yeah. Where you're like, okay, this seems like I could just walk up there and do that. But I know that that's not the case. Right. You know, but right. he makes it seem effortless. Bill Charlap makes this seem effortless. And I think experienced piano players, when you listen and hear what he does and then see how he's doing it, you're like, what's going on? Like, how is this possible? So yeah. let's, we're going to listen to a little bit and watch a little bit of this video from Blue Note Records. From, I mean, a relentless devotion to excellence is, is revolutionary. 100%. Like we think it's not because it's like, oh, that's easy. Or well, maybe not easy, but it's like, oh, a lot of good people. Can no, no, no. It. it takes, like I said, it takes devotion. This yeah. is a devotional practice they've made to their music and it, it pays off. So this is from their latest record. Uh, and this is on a Blue Note YouTube channel. This is out of nowhere. And yep. I think this is in the Steinway Gallery in New York, I believe. All those little things. Yep. All those. Did you hear that?
everything that's happening here. Yeah. arrangement but just the right pieces no you know what it's not it's if not you've like got it you don't have to flaunt it it's not trying to be super cool it's not trying to be too Wait, hip you do your super cool super boy. cool hey man i'm super hey, cool man i'm prison Look at Mike. me <laughs> everything is in seven no i'm just i've kidding. been up in the in, in the in the big house peter you know i'm no traditionalist by any stretch of the imagination like i my one of my favorite musicians from your attire you're very traditional oh, sir this guy is, he can't help but he can't lay off the cardigan he just can't lay off the cardigan sue me i love cardigans um no i'm i'm no traditionalist by any stretch of the imagination right. you know uh i love eric dolphy sue but, me i love ornette coleman sue me i love all of that yeah yeah you know avant-garde music and yet i find that for some reason this trio has this juice inside of this traditional structure that 
I just can't get enough of. But it's the authenticity with which they approach it, which with their skills are so well suited, with which they're willing to kind of submit to the music and to the trio format, all three of them, that yeah. makes it work. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like that, and I think that's why our you know thesis of this being revolutionary actually it's almost like the anti-revolutionary it is the anti-revolutionary you know yeah but it's but it's true it's like the eric dolphy you're talking about but actually you'd be a good example because you've had some great trios that have gone in different directions not necessarily this direction that are also very authentic like there's that authentic approach to how how you're going to play a tune like this which can go in like we're not saying there's anything wrong with putting this in seven or or, or reharmonizing it, it or yeah. reharmonizing, yeah. but it's for the personnel, the situation. Like like we talk about, even how they're all dressed. Some groups that would be dressed in fine Italian suits, like they are, it wouldn't match the music. As you said, they're like a Rolls Royce. So like they got the clothes, they got the Steinway, they got the. I mean, it is the look, the sound. It's all yeah, authentic. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It all fits together. It's a great thing. Do you want to listen to this all the time? Yes, actually, I probably I, I would. Mean, you know, it is, it is like. <laughs> I mean, would you want to go off road with the Rolls Royce? Probably not, but it'd still be kind of nice. No, no, know? no. There's, there's, you know, there's nothing like punk rock about it or subversive about it, but there is a lot of freedom in this devotion to the form. And I think, you know, the the deeper I get into music and and understanding what goes on to be able to do that, the yeah. more you realize like that is decades of very devoted hard work that right. all three of them have put into this. And that doesn't happen just by like, let's go play some standards and wear suits and try to put this on no. as, a, as a mask, right? No, that, but I do think that that kind of authenticity, although it might get lost on the general public as it should, like if somebody came in there to hear them as you did at the at the Jazz at the Bistro Club, that's just a listener, like, I want to go to a jazz club. Like, they're going to be like, wow, this was amazing. They, dude, they're not going to understand all the reasons why what we're talking about, but it's just as an authentic experience. They're listening, right? You've never seen, like, 250 people love Straight Ahead Jazz Trio right. as much as I did that that Thursday evening. And there's it the different amazing. levels. Like, so if you're a pianist and you understand what we do and what probably most of our listeners do, even if you're not a pianist, if you're just a musician and you're paying attention to the details, like, it really can go next level. I mean, it's like looking at this great pitcher major league pitcher it's like if you understand the intricacies of everything they're doing even if you don't understand that you just see them striking everybody out it's thrilling yeah. right but then the the deeper levels you go it doesn't become more mundane it's quite it's the opposite it becomes even more revolutionary more sophisticated your average listener wouldn't think it's revolutionary and in fact if they're lucky enough to hear something on this level like maybe in new york there was a time i don't even think even now there's a time where you can hear something on this unless you're hearing them i mean yeah, there's yeah. other good trios but i mean like if you're hearing something at this level all the time, it's kind of like if you live in Vienna. It feels like a throwback to like yeah. 80s New York or something. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Like the Village Gay where it'd yeah, be yeah. like, you know, Mulgrew Miller, you know, Charlotte, that was even before Charlotte. We, you know, just totally. great trio. Kenny Barron. Kenny Barron, yeah. Donald Brown, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. But I mean, I think that it's like if you lived in Vienna and you love classical music. Donald only, Brown, that's someone we should talk about. Absolutely, more absolutely. Sure. Silk. But I mean, it's like you live in Vienna, you, you only go to the music brine music brine and um hear the vienna philharmonic every week but they're playing different music different repertoire maybe different conductors but like like the level of playing and sophistication and like what they're wearing what you're seeing what the audience like the sound is it such, like that's the bar then yeah you know it's kind of like this if you're hearing this trio play on those instruments at steinway hall or at a great club with a great piano and great you know kenny washington peter washington um, Bill Charlap, like, yeah, you could hear them anywhere, but I'm talking about like you're hearing them. They're like 
It's like, you know, like everything's coming together. Like that becomes normalized in the best possible way. You yeah. know, it's like a kid that grows up in a happy family that's being supported or whatever. That's all that they know. It's a shock to your system. It becomes revolution, anti-revolutionary when you go out and hear somebody trying to fake it or like, I'm going to wear a suit and try to be cool and do this and play some standards. And you're like, wait, they're not doing anything that different than that. But it sounds like 80% worse for some reason. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's the exciting thing to me about this. Man, uh, one one great moment from this uh, the concert that I saw just last week live here with the Bill Charlotte Trio. I was sitting next to, actually I was sitting on either side of me were two pianists, Rocky Mantia on one side, St. Louis uh, keys player. And then on the other side was young Daniel Herrera, who is uh, a young jazz pianist, plays with the Kendrick Smith group yeah, here yeah. in St. Louis. And then Daniel was with a drummer. I believe his first name was Tony, but he's 15 years old. Mm. And I don't, I don't think I got his last name. Anyway, uh, after the show, Sean and I are just, Sean, our friend of the show, Sean You're Wild. calling everybody out. What if somebody was like, oh, I'm going to be at home on Thursday night. They just got blasted. Yeah, no. They got put on blast. Uh, no, I invited everybody to the show. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, Sean and I are hanging out after the show because I wanted to talk to Mr. Charlap and I want to invite him down to open studio. He's here yeah. all week. Like, and we, I never got to because... Uh, security. Bill, yeah, security. <laughs> Bill was at a table with like a bunch of people and he was sitting with them and they were laughing and talking and it seemed like a social thing and I didn't want to be like, hey, um, I didn't want to have to give him the whole spiel, right? So anyway, we're Are you familiar with, with the number one jazz podcast? Yeah, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to do that. Um, you ever heard of Kiefer? Because we just, <laughs> um, no, uh, so we were just hanging out waiting for him to kind of be done. We never actually talked to him because he was there for like, you know, 45 minutes. But 45 minutes later and the whole time that we were sitting there waiting for them, that young 15-year-old drummer Tony was sitting at a table with Kenny Washington. And, they, and you could tell Kenny was saying, encouraging things, giving advice, talking drums, talking about uh, what he should do. And I, I've, I, kid. I remember talking to Gregory Hutchinson about that part of Kenny Washington and sort of that, that passing down, right, that, the, the music and what it means to be a, a musician. And to see it so genuinely happen in front of our eyes there to a kid who's, you know, Kenny doesn't have to, he's Kenny Washington. He doesn't no. have to do that. And no, he's but there Kenny will do that. 45 and, minutes talking to this yeah. kid. And look, this is another thing for all the kids out there, kids from all ages, you know. Um, like, when you get an opportunity like that, yeah, sit down. First of all, Kenny Washington will, so I've seen him do that many times. And probably at this point, because younger musicians are shyer in a way then, I mean, not that we weren't shy in our own way, but but if we wanted to learn to ask a question, that was the only place to do it. You couldn't DM you couldn't, someone. I'll, I'll just go Google it I, later. Yeah, I can't yeah. like, and just like Kiefer said in, in his great uh, interview with us last week, you know, what did he say? A YouTube video can't talk back to you. That's it right. can't say something back, you know, so yes, you, right. can, you can watch Kenny Washington, these wonderful examples. You can even see him talking about, you know, explaining things, but there's nothing like sitting there with a legend. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that, that'll change a young drummer's life. I looked like Tony was getting a lot out of it too. Actually, I, I haven't heard him play. I just met him, but you know, you ever meet someone and be like, you're going to be a good musician. Right. I could just kind of get the vibe that you're right. serious about this. Right. He had a suit on, right? No, he did not. But he <laughs> had the vibe of someone who was like, you know, there's something in the eyes. Right. Uh, and so that was just really cool to see. So That's shout cool. out to that trio. And uh, yeah, I, I realize I, that I agree. It's the most revolutionary tree because you know what it is. It's like the like no tattoos is the new tattoo. No tattoo. <laughs> no, no listen, tattoo. no. Of course, there are trios who are doing things on the cutting edge of form, right? Any the better than this? Name them. No, no, no. Name I'm them. just saying it's it's nice to appreciate the freedom in form and yeah. a trio that's devoted to a form so much that it starts to become something new. And yeah. I think that this trio is at, at 
as about a high level as you can get. Absolutely. And I love, even you talk about, forget about the style, style or whatever or, uh, of the trio. They set the bar in terms of musicianship. And not to say that there aren't other drummers and pianists and bass players as good maybe, but I mean, as a trio, the way that they play trio, like it doesn't get any better than that. Like that, I will put a mark. So, so in other words, that sets the level for, for all of us in a really inspiring way. And it's like a constant reminder. You know, it's like you come into the gym and you're like, there's somebody there that's already warming up first. Yeah. They might not always win or whatever, but like they're in there not only putting in the work, but showing how it's done. I mean, what's so inspiring is you don't have to do what they're doing to do it the way they're doing it. Absolutely. That's, that's what the, like, this is a, I keep saying the word devotion because it's a devotional practice to the music that they're, that they're on the path trying to learn. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's almost a spiritual endeavor at this point where it's like you're committing yourself to this music for your life and you yeah. can do it in your own way with the music that reaches you. It doesn't have to be out of nowhere and standards yeah. and things like that. But to do it in that way where you're like, I'm going to take this seriously and I'm going to learn about this and yeah. really go deep on this and commit to this is very inspiring. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this well, was great, man. Thanks yeah. for bringing this in and the stories and everything till next time. You'll hear it.